Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an indie blues double shot from our featured artist today, Jay Red the Nephew. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs. Hey, yo, yo, what's up, lady? Hey. I ain't see y'all on the inside. Hey, what y'all about to get into? Man, we going home. Y'all about to go home? Yeah. Man, y'all ain't got to go home. Yo, we about to catch a vibe over at the liquor house. You know, the after-hour spot. Come follow me, man.
It's like when you open your eyes and see this world for what it truly is. It makes you wonder, you know, how would this world be if we all figured out a way to come together and be the powerhouse that we really are.
And that was Jay Red, the nephew, from his brand new release. And we got Jay Red on the line right now. Hey, Jay, how you doing? I'm doing excellent, my brother. Excellent. How you doing today? You know, I'm doing pretty well. I'm, you know, kind of kicking back and relaxing, you know, doing my thing. So this is the first time that you've been on our show. And we always like to give our fans an opportunity to really get to know who an artist is. And the best way to do that is by your journey, how you got to where you are today. So give us the story of J-Red, the nephew. Well, um, I started, I actually started playing the, uh, I started in music, <laughs> actually, playing the violin when I was in fourth grade. And uh, then I moved over to the trumpet. Then I moved over to the uh, uh, cello. And then I moved over to the acoustic bass. Um, and I learned more being in the orchestra than I did doing anything else because in the orchestra you have all these different parts going on and at one point in time each instrument would have the uh, the lead and everybody else would be accompanying. Uh, so I learned how to compose actually from being in the orchestra. Then I um, started playing the piano. My parents had gotten an old piano from the from the church and it was all out of tune and everything but I really wanted to play so back then you know you had tape recorders so I would play the piano and sing while I'm playing on one tape recorder then I'd take the tape out and put it in another tape recorder and record that while it's playing and I'll sing the background and, and then at the end you got all this static and everything <laughs> but uh at any rate, uh, it was a song, and I just started uh, doing that because it was my passion, and um, I just moved on into actually learning how to sing for real, so I would mimic people like uh, Marvin Gaye, the OJs, uh, Luther Vandross. Luther Vandross was one of my favorites because uh, my brother had all his cassettes, so I would uh, steal his cassettes when I got home from school and try to sing along with Luther as much as I could, you know, I could I, I couldn't go but so far with Luther because you know he's phenomenal. But at any rate, uh, I developed uh, my own style of singing, and then I started producing with a, a local uh, production company that was there in Greenville, North Carolina, and um, just advancing my skill set and sending stuff out to record labels and this and that and the third and getting all this rejection and everything, but. Eventually, I connected with another group of guys called Average Guys, and we got a record deal out in Virginia Beach with an independent record label. And uh, on that journey, uh, we actually had the uh, privilege of working with Missy Elliott. We worked with Chad Hugo from the Neptunes. Uh, we worked with Big Bub. Uh, we were hanging out in Teddy Riley's studio with other artists and things of that nature and it, it was just a, a great experience and unfortunately the group broke up and I went solo I was the producer for the main producer for the group actually and uh, so I went solo and got into the R&B situation which you know <coughs> a lot of politics and R&B so um, and I was getting older and all they wanted was like little young kids they want you to be between the age of maybe 12 to maybe 18 
so they can develop you and get get three or four albums out of you by the time you're 25 or, or 28 and, you know, have a career. Well, I was already like 24. So to them, I was too old, whatever. So uh, I discovered a genre called Southern Soul. Some people call it Southern Soul. Some people call it liquor house music. Some people call it soul blues. Uh, some people just call it blues. But uh, I, I discovered that genre by being a hype man for one of the guys that worked at the radio station. His name was Paul Andre. He used to DJ a lot of parties. And so he would have me come out and just hype the crowd up on the microphone for him. And I noticed that every time he would play what he would call liquor house music, it, it would pack the floor out. And I was like, man, I can I can make this kind of music. And plus, I'm getting older and I can just sing about what I'm really going through, you know, grown people music. So that developed more into where I am now as they read The Nephew. And uh, what I did was I incorporated uh, some of the hip-hop undertones, some R&B undertones, and I kept kept the blues on top, you know, with my own style. And uh, it has uh, separated me from a lot of what's going on in Southern Soul to where I have my own following, I have my own sound, and, and people digging it. So here I am. Okay. Well, let's talk about this release now. You know, uh, every time an artist puts out a release, they either have a, a a goal in mind or there is a specific message they're looking to portray. What was your goal or message for this particular release? Well, the album is called uh, Nephew Swing. And uh, in this genre, you know, you still have what you call swing out music, you know. Um uh, so my this this album is pretty much dance music music for the people that like to swing and people that like to you know to two step. It's specifically for that you know, um, and that that was my goal. And I think the goal and mission is accomplished because I'm getting great reviews from it already from so many different groups. Okay, now. Um now, you had mentioned that you were a producer, and, a, and of course, you're also a songwriter. And, you know, when you sit down to start that process of writing, uh, what is what is your, your method that allows you to tap into the muse? Well, you know, uh, on everybody's cell phone, you have a, a voice recorder. And things would just hit me. I could be riding in the car. I could be sitting watching TV. I could just be... Uh, just waking up, uh, whatever. And when a melody comes to me, I just lay the melody down on my phone. Sometimes the words come along with it. Sometimes the beat comes along with it. So I'll do like a human, I'll do like a human beatbox while I'm laying it down, and I'll hum the melody and I'll sing some of the words. And when, once I capture that, when I need to go back to that, I, I'll sit down in front of my keyboard. And I'll just play it. It just I can just hear it, and I can play it, and I can just put it all together. But everything starts, most of the time, everything starts with the actual drums, the actual drum track. That that gets, that sets the, the tone for uh, what direction the song is going to go into and the whole night. Right. Well, you know, I think a lot of artists, you know, when they, when they look for melodies, you know, the groove is kind of... 
um, that foundation you start with, you know. Uh, when you search for your melodies, do you like to work off just the groove, or do you like to have a chord structure to work off of? How do you find your melodies? Uh, it's really, in my, in my experience, it's really just the groove. Because if you listen closely, yeah, I produce and I play music, but my chord pro- progressions are not, they're not um, strong progressions. I mean, it's just simple music with nice melodies as, as far as singing is c- concerned and vocal arrangements. And uh, the vocal arrangements, most of the time, are what pull what pulls the song together and, and makes it, you know, sound more creative. I'm not all that creative when it comes to uh putting the actual music together. Now there are times when I when I'll do a track and I'll have a guitar player come in and, and put some licks on some things and, you know, take it to another level. And I've done that a lot in the past, but on this particular project, I only did that on one song. I wanted this project to be more of uh simplicity along with nice lyrical content. And just that groove so you can swing, just that groove so you don't get caught up too much into the music, music part, but that groove, you know what I mean? Right. Well, well, you know, they say the best songs are three chords and the truth, you know? There you go. There you go. There you go. Now, let's talk a little bit about um, those tools. Now, you had mentioned that you use your cell phone for capturing those ideas as you're out and about. Uh, mm-hmm. But what are some of the other tools you use when you sit down to write? Well, I have um, I use what you call an MP7. It's a it's a it's a machine made by Emu. That com- that, that company took a, took over in Sonic from back in the day. But anyway, I'll use that. Uh, I also have a Trident Extreme. Most of my stuff comes off of the Trident Extreme, and uh, and the reason why I do that is because I don't want my sound to become too uh, plastic for the lack of a better term. Because, you know, now everybody is using, like, the computer sounds and, you know, all the presets that are on Pro Tools and, and all these different programs, Fruity Loops and all that type of stuff. Um, and it's cool. Don't get me wrong. It's cool. It's nice, crisp, crisp sounding and all of that. But, you know, you don't actually have to know how to play chords you don't actually have to know how to actually play a bass line to go along with it or how, or how to actually construct strings. Some of that stuff, you can just press one key on your on your computer keypad and it'll play a whole, it'll play the, the whole chord progression, it'll play the whole string section, everything. And um, even though on my keyboard, on the, uh, on the Trident string, it has those sounds, but I still have to create. And so I don't want to take away from my creativity. So I stay, I'll still use like old school uh, uh, instrumentation. Okay. I'll still use it. Mm-hmm. Now, let's talk about that moment where you have to put the pen down. You know, every song has to get to a point where you move it from the writing phase into the production phase where you, you know, you give it to... Well, you're the producer, but you would give it to a producer or the musicians and allow them to put their fingerprints on it. Mm-hmm. What What do you do to determine that moment in a song's life? Well, 
it's kind, that's kind of a tricky question for me because in most cases, I will produce the music first and then I will do the uh, the lyrics. I'll come along with the melody and the lyrics on the, set, on, the uh, on the back end. So most of the time, the musical production is already done, and then I'll do the, the lyrics. Um, but after I get the lyrics done, then I go into actually recording the song, and that basically is me putting my stamp on it as a vocalist to bring the song alive. Okay. Well, let's talk about that process of producing and recording. You know, having a good song... Um, gives you something to say but when you go into the studio to produce and you create that sound that identifies not only you as an artist but the song itself it gives it an identity um what is your i guess process when you get into the studio or in that environment that allows you to capture your sound um Part of the process is understanding the message that I'm trying to bring across. Like, if it's a ballad and I'm trying to bring across a message of, uh, you know, me and my woman are going through some things, but at the end of the day, we're going to always be here for each other. I can't sing that like real soft and sweet, you know, in my opinion. In my opinion, there needs to be points in the song where it sounds very emotional and you hear the soul come out of that vocalist to make the listener actually feel the song. So that process, uh, what determines that process for me is the content of the song and, and what the purpose of the song is for. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about um, the industry. Uh, now, we, we both know going into a studio, even if you own your own studio, is an expensive proposition. This gear and this software is not cheap. Right. I know because I have my own studio, and I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm looking around at the thousands of dollars that I have invested. Yeah. Now, what has happened over the last 20 years is that um, streaming has really uh, become the way that music is consumed today. And today's consumer has now shifted their perception of recorded music from a product that they used to purchase and own to a service now that's on their phone, that they don't have to go out and buy it, they don't have to hunt for it, there's no record stores, no CD stores. Right. How has this shift in the consumer's perception of recorded music affected you as an artist? Uh, it has affected me in multiple ways. Um, now, granted, that has happened, but the genre that I'm in, these, the, 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 the demographic for my genre is like 35 to 65. So the 35 to 40-year-olds, yeah, they'll, they'll probably be more into streaming and downloads. But um, when you start talking about 40, 40 on up, a lot of those people still want actual physical CDs. So when I go to a concert, they will buy my CD. They will, they will buy the physical CD. And uh, in that instance, um, it has, it gives me the chance to 
give them an autograph signed CD. They'll take a picture with it. They'll hold the CD up and take a picture with me. But then they'll put it in the digital world and show everybody on social media how cool I am. Now, that experience is great. The other experience with, uh, with streaming and, uh, and buying things on the Internet as far as streaming and downloads, the good part about that is I don't have to, I no longer have to manufacture, pay for manufacturing costs for CDs to be made or records or cassettes or whatever uh, uh, kind of phonographic record uh, uh, um, format. I don't have to pay for that anymore. All I have to do is have an MP3 or a wave, uh, uh, wave file and a picture and it generates money. So with, when, when COVID hit, I'm going to say it like this. When COVID hit and everybody was home on their computers, I gained so many more fans because people were discovering new artists because they were sitting home in front of their computers for so long. And my digital sales and my streaming sales just exploded. They, they really, really increased. So now that the pandemic is, is kind of coming down, um, I have all these new fans, but I still have my older fans as well. So it's just been great to me all the way around. It's really been great, especially when you own your own product. When you own your own product, uh, you learn to adjust to any of the situations and just roll with it. But I, I, I love the streaming part. I love the streaming part. I love the, the digital download part because every month, you know, your distributors send you a, a check and you can see where, like if somebody is streaming your music in, in Africa or, or Japan or China, it gives you direct information where your music is large, mostly streamed in throughout the world or downloaded, and that's great. Okay. Well, let's talk about the, you know, the, the shutdown of touring with the pandemic. Uh, one of the things that I noticed um, is that Fans got an opportunity to see artists in a different light. A, a lot of it through live streaming. because you know, a lot of artists were streaming from their homes, from their living rooms. And uh, they started to work their, their social media. They started to work TikTok, uh, Clapper, Instagram, Twitter. And putting up pictures of their everyday life, of their life during the pandemic. And I think the fans have really gravitated towards being invested into the artists that they listen to, getting to know who they are as people, I think was important. Um, how has this world of content creation uh, affected you? How are you negotiating that now? Um, well, one thing about me, you know, I'll go live on a, on a regular basis. But at the same time, I try not to get too personal because um, there, there are only certain things that I'm going to allow my fan base to see and hear. Um, I try to stick mainly to, to the music and then the personality that I have because I am a people person. Um, as far as that was, was concerned with the pandemic, I mean, we all actually need to hear and see things from, uh, from, from other people. So I, I, I reached into that. I didn't, I wasn't too, too diligent with that though, because 
you know, the pandemic has caused a lot of depression and all that type of stuff, and I don't want to get into all of that. But um, the streaming, the the live streaming, now that that is that that's the way to go because that way you don't you don't have to actually leave the house or you could just go to a, a a studio and stream live from there and people will you know if they like your music they'll they'll pay a little nine ninety nine or whatever case may be to watch you in the comfort of their own home and you're still generating you know income because this is what we do for a living okay now um there has been a lot of talk out there about a, a revolution in the music industry that's on the horizon uh, with these non-fungible tokens, the NFTs and cryptocurrency. And, you know, they're talking about new platforms where artists will get the the equitable rights that they should be getting, the monies they should be getting from streaming, and it will happen automatically because it's all based on these smart contracts, and it will cut out a lot of these large corporations that are making money off of the artists, and it will be something on what they call the blockchain, which is run by a network of computers, and it's decentralized. There is no corporation. Nobody can take control of it. It's a publicly owned kind of network. What would you like to see in the future in the music industry that would be to an advantage to an independent artist? Well, you know, when I get my reports and you look at one screen, uh, it only generates a fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a penny. You know, so it would take, I mean, just to, just to make $10, you would have to have, I mean, crazy, crazy, crazy amounts of streams. On that, on that, uh, on that one song, or on all of your songs, you have to have crazy amounts of streams just to make, you know, ten dollars. And and I don't feel like that is fair to us as artists, you know, especially when it's someone that's not in my situation. Like in my situation, I write and produce my own stuff, and I own my own product. But in someone else's situation, when they don't write their stuff and they don't produce their, their stuff, they only just sing the record. I mean, it's like they'll hardly see any money at all off of that. And I don't feel like, I personally don't feel like that's fair. So I would like to see streaming pay um, more money to the artists. Or I would like to see streaming generate more money to the, to the, uh, the, the actual record label and the producers and the, you know, the songwriters, you know, for, for, for for that, I'd rather see us be able to make more money off the streaming. Okay. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about the, um, I guess, what's happening now as far as the pandemic. We're starting to get back into performing live again. Uh, mm -hmm. I know you and I met at a, uh, a show that you were doing. I was doing sound for you. Mm -hmm. and um, But, you know, every artist is having their issues or their challenges getting back to performing live again whether it's concern over covid whether it's trying to find venues that you know are still around or are pulling in touring artists what are some of the challenges that you're facing right now when it comes to getting back out there and performing live 
Well, um, but like I was saying, you know, the majority of my genre, the fan base is like 35 to 65. So, you know, most of the people in my genre, they, they would rather for the event to be outside than on the inside, which, you know, the weather's getting cold now. So that's about to shut down, which when before COVID hit, when it, even when it got cold, you know, you can go and do a show on the inside or, or, or whatever, and people will still come out. So um, that that creates a challenge, but at the same time, what I have decided to start doing is uh, doing like small venues, doing venues that are hold maybe 400 people at the absolute most, and then having more more of a intimate type of setting where it's more personal than that way and not having a whole lot of artists on the show. That way uh, you get to still perform in front of your audience. They feel comfortable coming out because you only allow a certain amount of people in. You're not going to just pack the place out and have everybody wall to wall right beside each other. And you can still maneuver in that aspect. So I'm, I'm, I am I'm figured out a few things that I'm doing and uh, it's working. Okay. Well, you know, I, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with us. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there a double shot for your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Turn it up loud. Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun.
Whether you're an independent artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. Make you shout now, honey. Gonna make 